You're listening to Imagine Paradise Podcast. My name is Levi Kreis. I am an actor, an artist, and spiritual practitioner. And this season is for the chain breakers, those who are seeking to turn addiction to freedom, self-sabotage to self-love, and victimhood to victory. I know a joyous life awaits you and paradise is yours to the degree that you can imagine it. Hey, make sure to subscribe to this podcast and hop over to YouTube.com slash Imagine Paradise for daily videos. Great to have you with me. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Today, Abra is a friend of a very special someone. If you go back to the first episode of season three of the podcast, you will... Uh, You'll you'll have a, you'll enjoy a conversation with the, the my first sponsor uh, Dale G, and he and I uh, have uh, have uh, made a lot of memories together, <laughs> and uh, he's he's been so kind to introduce me to some other people in our world and uh, who are uh, who know the journey of sobriety and recovery. And so today, uh, a friend of Dale's, a new friend of mine, Aubra is here with me to talk about. Uh, uh, all things sobriety. So let me bring her in. Abra, hello. Welcome to the Imagine Paradise podcast. I appreciate you being here. Oh, absolutely. I appreciate being here too. It's super nice to meet you. It's nice Thank to meet you, you too. I'm, I'm, we were we were just talking in all of our emails how like every story is is an inspiring story when it's a story of recovery because we share a, a lot of similarities uh, just from that alone, right? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, how do you, how, uh, do you, so, uh, well, first of all, I have to, st- I have to start with, uh, the, the film festival because I was at a real recovery film org, real recovery film org, Uh, and this is really interesting. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about real recovery film festival? Yes, absolutely. The real recovery film festival is a 14-year-old film festival dedicated to uh, showing films. We get submissions of films and we show films that deal with issues, uh, alcoholism, addiction, mental health issues, trauma, and also social issues like homelessness, um, mostly like homelessness or uh, social issues that can relate to you know, issues of addiction and stuff, because so many of those things are related. You know, people are homeless because they're uh, addicted to drugs or have mental health issues and they're unable to get the help they need. Um, Right. Right. And uh, and is it mostly by people uh, submitting? Uh, I know know that it's soon, right? October 21st through the 27th is when the festival happens, right? Yes, and it's in uh, North Hollywood in California, so which is basically in Los Angeles. Um, I've been with the festival for a little over five years. Uh, My my boss, the director who founded it, uh, his name's Leonard Bouchel. He founded it uh, like 14 years ago, and at that time mostly showed films, feature films, and he showed them on, um, now I can't remember what, the film reels, but I can't, Yeah. <laughs> I can't yeah. remember what, what it is, like 32 millimeter, I'm going to get it wrong. He showed them on the big film reels, uh, feature films, 
And, and then as time went on, we started to get submissions for films. And a lot of them are made by people in recovery or they're made by people who have friends or family that have touched their lives. Uh, and they're making their story. Uh, they're, the story is related to the person who um, they were close to. They might have gotten better or they might have died or gotten, you know, had um, unfortunate consequences due to their addiction. Um, if it's piquing any interest with the listeners, you guys can go to realrecoveryfilmfestival.org. That's R-E-E-L, Real Recovery Filmfestival.org. And, and I imagine that I could just go to Facebook and put Real Recovery Film Festival in there and find the page and, and, and just be informed. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. So you, so a little bit about you. Okay. I'm going to get this back to you now. So how did, yeah. so d- tell me a little bit about your story in particular. So I always love to ask, and this, this always gets us kicked off. What, what was life like for you before recovery? I have a little over six and a half years clean and sober because drugs are definitely part of my story. I'm not one who was drinking and using from a young age. Um, yeah, did I drink? Yes, but not consistently. And then I went away to college and yes, I drank in college, but I got really scared because I blacked out one night and I had heard that blackouts was a sign of alcoholism. So I don't know where I even heard that. So I tailored, plus I got really embarrassed uh, and I had a hangover for two days. So I, I tailored that back, right? I pulled it back and I just, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to drink. You know, I came home from college and I didn't have a crew to hang out with and go drinking with. That wasn't my story. It wasn't my story in high school either. I wasn't hanging out with the cool kids. I wasn't going partying with them. I wasn't around drugs and alcohol. Uh, I smoked pot a little bit and then I got married very young. And I was busy taking care of, of um, children. And even though we went out, and even though my ex-husband drank and he had done drugs, it wasn't part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't until my kids, the, my kids were starting to get older and came into some money and, and started partying, started partying on the, you know, in the trendy west side of LA with money and with people who had a lot of money and it, you know, and with, uh, with someone who liked to do coke and it, it started, you know, and it was like champagne for me because I was scared of cocaine because I saw what it did to people and then, oh, well, I'll, I guess I'll try some too. So I was like 39 or 40 at this time and, and I'm drinking champagne and doing coke recreationally and then I'm starting to get so demoralized and the night all-nighters having to then drive my daughter to San Bernardino for a gymnastics meet when I've been up all night. Like I wanted to kill myself. You know, th- those kinds of things got worse and worse and the things that um, I kept erasing the line and stepping over it. Yeah. Um, one compromise at a time, right? I, I, we talk about that a lot where like the uh, we can tell ourselves that it's not really time to do anything about our addiction because we're okay with this little compromise. And then we're, we, we get used to that. And then there's another little compromise. And then finally you have 20 compromises until the point where you're nearly losing everything that you have. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't really think I was addicted. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't do the all-nighters and then have to take care of my daughter and, and be responsible, be the responsible adult 
after having stayed up all night, doing those things that people sometimes do when they're high on coke. Um, and uh, I started smoking meth or, or to stay awake. And eventually that became a daily thing. Um, and then I knew that I was addicted. Yeah. Um, it was my drug choice too, actually. Well, that's where I met Dale. We're going to see a May meeting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I have my experience is actually um, kind of similar, similar to a lot of the, the, I like CMA meetings because I have experience similar to what a lot of the men I, that I meet in um, CMA do. I wanted to mm -hmm. do one thing only. And um, basically, if it's me, like, it was sex. It was, it was yeah, like, it was, it was all about sex for me. Yeah. For me, it was all about sex too. And, yeah, you know, yeah. eventually I wasn't having sex with my husband. I mean, I was with him, but I wasn't yeah. only having sex with him. Yes. Um, so, and I got involved with, you know, my drug, I got involved with my drug dealer, um, who was an escort. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Listen, so, yes. I mean, so yeah. when I say that I understand to a large extent, yeah. the, the experience on the other side, I really do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And all of that is very similar. Yes. For my story, for a lot of people in CMA meetings, you know, uh, it's, it's very interesting to me how, when, when something like crystal meth gets, gets sort of wrapped around those neural, those neurological pathways to sex and how, uh, how it, uh, it sort of just creeps like a spider, <laughs> like spider web and infiltrates every area of your life. Yeah. It, it takes, yeah. I mean, I, I know I, I have a really good friend who has his current job due to his crystal meth addiction because he would take apart computers and put them back together. That is not my case. You know, I mean, I used to I never was a busy like that with meth. I couldn't clean. I wanted to do one thing, one yeah, thing only. I, yeah. I mean, my, my joke that for me coming into um, my, my trajectory would have been jails, institutions, death or an ad on back pages. So, um, yeah, <laughs> yes, thank God, you know, I was, and, you know, as a 45 year old, that wasn't going to look pretty, but anyway, um, so I got, you know, I got, I got addicted to math, thought that I could handle it, couldn't handle it, kept it under wraps. I don't know how, because I was a very skinny, very twitchy, um, yeah. very, very unhappy person. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it, you know, it's, there's like fits and starts, but eventually uh, I stopped using meth, stopped smoking. Did you meth. have a particular bottom that you hit? Like I could, I, 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 I had I, a couple bottoms. Oh, I had, I've had a, a few bottoms. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, my, yeah. my, the bottom that I had before um, I got sober December 21st, 2015, mm -hmm. my youngest daughter's birthday is December 19th. That was my last run that was my last bottom that i have other ones that were bad yeah getting caught and getting caught by my ex-husband and then taking off and winding up with my you know winding up in inglewood scoring crack i mean that's yeah. in, in, in a pair of flowered shorts and pink birkenstocks it, but the last week i had been in treatment and sober living and i decided no i really i, I want to get high again because i was so depressed mm -hmm. But that week out was like, oh my God, it was like a horrible, 
it was like the most depressing miniseries. And I, you know, I didn't realize how I was the magnet. I was the eye of the storm that dragged everybody around it. You know, I thought I was the victim. Um, But I, I pulled everybody in to my mess. And I don't even know that I knew I was done. I just knew I needed to get away from those people. Right. Yeah. You know, I I was like the ringleader of those people. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'll be better if I could just get rid of everybody else. I, you know, the thing is, I was lucky. I'm the one who had family support. I'm the one who had been in a sober living that let me back in. I'm the one who had money. I'm the one who had, you know, really strong reasons to to live and get better. So yeah, yeah. So speaking of getting better, I mean, what was that process like for you? I mean, like for me, I know, uh, and a lot of us that started CMA, like I was doing two meetings a day, definitely 90 and 90. I think I doubled that to like 180. (laughs) I mean, I was like clawing my way into the meetings every day for it seems like forever um and i know we talk about how it gets easier how it gets better and and i'm i'm sitting on 13 years at this point but but it took a long time to get to that point and to where you could not feel like you were you know where there just wasn't this this sense of desperation in a sense i don't know i, I don't know but like how was the journey post realize it post bottom you're realizing like i can get some time together we can do this you know it looked like going to a lot of meetings going to therapy twice a week having a psychiatrist yeah um yeah i, I my therapist told me to to make sure i was accountable she wanted me to have the meeting sign a book I was not, you know, it wasn't like a court card. It wasn't anything. But for a year, every meeting I went to, even the meetings that I secretary, because I yeah. threw myself into service. I yeah. had someone else sign my little book and I would show it to her. Like she yeah. didn't even care at some point, but it was to be accountable. And I followed direction. I found a fantastic sponsor. Um, and I, I followed direction and I was honest. See, I think that's so good that you say that following direction and was honest because like when you work the program, the program works. I I, I try not to mention names of programs or stuff on. I think that's the only thing that we as AA, we say we say that we're not supposed to to really for radio, television, et cetera, et cetera. So I just say generally sobriety. But the truth is, if you are working a program, hint, hint, um, the program works for you if you work it and work it honestly. Right. Yes, yes. And we absolutely. tell that to a lot of people coming through, right? That, that like, if you just do this and do it honestly. Yeah. And I mean, I was, yes, you just take, you listen to somebody else because uh, listening to me got me in, in trouble. And also it's, it's scary being out there alone, right? It's mm-hmm. scary. Yeah. One of the reasons that I used was because towards the end, especially I couldn't stand what was in my head. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what was going on in my head, I used to call it a Greek chorus. Yeah. Because there were so many voices in there. I mean, yeah. still sometimes, but, um, and things did get better. But, you know, what I tell the people I work with sometimes is, you know, it gets better, but then it gets worse again because other things come up. Um, because we're always it, having to deal with life on life's terms. 
And that's not always fun, you know, because our tendency is to want to escape that, to numb ourselves or to go over here and just find a way out through drinking or drugs. Yeah. Well, and, and then the other things that, I mean, so many people pick, I mean, myself included, but it's easy to lose yourself and to numb in other behaviors. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't advocate being perfect, but what happens is the road does get narrower and those other behaviors, um, even if it's anger, even if it's gossip, certainly relationships, you know, romance, yeah. at some yeah. point it becomes, it, it becomes untenable. Like you can't, right. I, I can't live with myself. I'm not comfortable with myself with those behaviors. I mean, but I think I, that's great because, I mean, we talk about like how all those defects of character become more and more obvious to us as we work the program and as we continue to stay in our sobriety. Yeah, we become intolerant not only of our uh, of, of our using, of our drinking, but exactly what you're saying, right? We, we start being way too aware of all of the little things that just chip away at our happiness, you know? I, it, yeah, and I think it's really important, though, not to not to do it in a beat down. Yeah, true. You know, there yeah. has to be a level of compassion. What I have found yeah. over the past couple of years, because I've had a rough past couple of years. Yeah. Um, and the and the rough is all here. You know, my outside right. life, other than other than it's not entirely true. Other than certain uh, relationships that have caused me a lot of difficulty. That because I, because of past relationships, I believe I've sort of chosen them, right? Like they've mm -hmm. come back for me to work them out in a different way, which I truly yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, my life is, has gone fairly smooth. I mean, I had a breakup a year and a half ago, but what, you know, whatever, but the outside life of my stuff. Life is good. Right. Yeah. But the inside here still reacts, overreacts, right? It's reacting to, like yeah. if, it's, if it's hysterical, it's historical. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm reacting to my, um, reacting viscerally to things that are happening and they're happening now, but my reaction is to the past. Right? It's so true. It's so and true. It, it's me here and it takes yeah. a little while. So, yeah. um, but Which is interesting that you say that because I was reading today in the Daily Reflections about how the illusion that we project on any one moment is so much yeah. grander and so much bigger and so not the reality. <laughs> but but oh, absolutely. We, but that's that's how we do, you know. Yeah. I, I've had so what I find that really the only thing that I find that works is to not beat myself up and to find compassion. And one of the things that I've had to do over the past year, because what is left for me really is the eating disorder. Right. And what I've done most of my life is to base my worth around what I look like, my weight and what I'm eating. Yeah. Um, and so if you were to ask me, how are you? I, I would base my answer upon those things. Yeah. Not, not upon anything else. Mm -hmm. And I decided I don't want to live my life like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was driving home from work to come do this, I, I had a, I also thought I, I can't base my day or I can't base on what I'm thinking either. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I I can't I can't um, whatever thought is in here at any given moment, mm -hmm. I can't base my my self worth or I can't base uh, 
the ver the vision of what what things look like around me based right. on my thoughts because my thoughts are composed of illusions and stories yeah. they're composed of stories. stories yeah yeah those stories those old stories and when it says we have to let go of everything uh we had to let go or, it was nil right we had to let go of all our old ideas or it yeah. was nil. You know, yeah. and reading that in the beginning, my thought was we have to, I had to let go of all my ideas about alcohol or about addiction, but it's about yeah. everything. It's it about everything. everything. See, I think that that is a really cool thing because like, I think that the program or sobriety can teach you to have a level of self-awareness where you and I are having this conversation, but I can name about six other people who have no idea that they, they don't have the ability to see what they're thinking and feeling as an illusion, as a story, and begin to try to separate that from reality. It's a gift to have that, at least that, that, that initial self-awareness. Now, you know, we're... Taking a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. taking a minute for me, and I'm sure it's, that, you yeah. know... Me too. Yeah. 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 I, I, um, I, I I don't go, know go ahead, what, go ahead. I don't know what your timing is or anything, but I do want to say that one of the beautiful things, despite my head and despite everything else, what I have found is my family is repaired. I have a beautiful relationship with my, I'm not married anymore, with my ex-husband. I mean, I wouldn't say beautiful, but I have a warm, very kind relationship with my ex-husband. And I'm as close to my children as I could have ever imagined. And they're very proud of me and they're seekers too. And um, they love the recovery that I've come into. And what, what I have found is that my life is like a puzzle, a jigsaw puzzle. And right. not that I do them, but, um, and so as I stay sober and like walk forward, my life comes together around me like a jigsaw puzzle without you having to put the pieces together, you know, or like in the, um, in like the movies where somebody's walking forward and the, the planks aren't there, yes. but they come in front of them. That's, that's what I find is that as I stay sober, my life comes together around me. Maybe that not is, in time. That is perfect. That is the perfect thing for people to, to be reminded of too, um, on this journey of sobriety, just keep walking the path. And, and it is just the simple act of living within integrity of ourself and learning yeah. that kind of self love and the choices, the compassion we have for ourselves, the self love that we learn to cultivate by action, doing the things that, that are loving for ourselves, that the world around us responds in kind and, yeah. and, and, and everything falls into place. Yeah. It's been fun learning your story today. I'm glad that you uh, sat and give me, gave me some time to oh my God, kind of like... Fast. This is super cool. I really it, enjoyed talking to you too. Really enjoyed it. it. It's totally fun. And I, and I and if I was in Los Angeles, I'm in Tennessee right now, but if I was oh, on the wow. West Coast, it'd be so fun to see, uh, see the festival. But um, Well, if you're ever yeah. in LA, I'd love to get coffee or hit a meeting with you or something. That would be Done. awesome. Done. Okay. Perfect. Done, of course. Okay, um, yeah, thank you for your time so much. And um, hold on real tight and I'll say goodbye before you leave. Yep. So uh, you guys, yeah. So um, make sure you go over to youtube.com slash Imagine Paradise if you want to watch the video of this podcast. Uh, subscribe there. Um, and we'll be back next week with uh, another story of recovery. And thanks for being here. Have a great week.